This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, alternative media for discerning minds. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members for your loyalty and support. Tonight's special guest is Max Egan from thecrowhouse.com. Max has a great mind many of you have recommended him for a very long time so get ready to have your mind open wide because the way Max sees the world is very unique and it puts things in a very clear perspective Max Egan will be with us shortly to listen to tonight's full show become a member just go to our website veritasshow.com click on the subscribe button and receive instant access don't wait any longer for only $7.95 per month, you can listen to all of our material, hundreds of hours, in CD audio quality, and take Veritas with you wherever you go. Subscribe today. And visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase our 8GB USB drives with Seasons 1 or 2, with bonus material. 
MMS, and lots of Veritas items. And if you need to get in touch with me, click on the contact button of our website and also join me on Facebook. Did you know that emotions create reality and the two strongest emotions are love and fear? All other emotions stem from these two base emotions. Love is a much faster vibration than fear and love has been proven to actually physically affect human DNA and allow more centers for coding. This is what makes true evolution possible. This is the knowledge the elite desperately want to keep from the people because people who live in love evolve to higher consciousness and awareness and power over them is lost. This is all part of the hidden knowledge. Did you know that by giving in to the deliberate fear created by the pundits of the New World Order, we are in fact creating exactly the reality they have programmed us to create to serve their agenda? So how do we thwart those who would see all our rights taken away from us in favor of their planned agendas, their police state? For answers to these and many more questions, Max Egan is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. This is Michael Tassarian, and you're listening to Veritas. Max Egan is a radio talk show host, researcher, artist, musician, philosopher, free thinker, champion for the truth, a true Renaissance man. Max is the man behind the website, thecrowhouse.com, which is filled with great information for those of you seeking the truth. You can also listen to Max on AmericanVoiceRadio.com and his program called Surviving the Matrix. And directly from Queensland, Australia, I'm delighted to welcome for the first time on Veritas, Max Egan. Hello, Max, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm very good, Mel. Thanks for asking me on the show. Pleasure to be here. It's my pleasure. And as I was telling you offline, Max, for quite some time, I've had many people say to me, Mel, you don't know who Max Egan is? So that was a few months ago, and now I know who you are, and I'm so privileged to have you on because you, you're you a great mind. All it takes is just to listen to a, a couple of minutes of, of your reporting and your research, and you're almost a poet, a musician, and uh, an artist in the way you write. Would you agree? Well, I don't know. I don't actually write the shows out. I just sort of do them off the top of my head. Uh, I do a meditation, then I, I do this show, and I kind of have to listen to it back to hear what I talked about, really. Right. But, um, I mean, I, I think it's all about people. Everything that we face is, is all about people. It's all about the people knowing who and what they are. 
I mean, the world that we live in, it's, uh, it, it's just insane. It's, it's completely crazy. People do things that are completely meaningless. They, they run around at 100 miles an hour doing all of this stuff that just distracts them from being who and what they are. And all of the problems that we face, I think, can be dealt with by people realizing who and what they are, realizing the connection they have to others, and, and just, just changing their perspective of reality. I think that's what it's all about. The whole society we live in has got a very, very bizarre perspective of reality. And because I've always kind of managed to live outside of society, I spent my younger years as a musician. Um, I've always lived via my art, really. Um, that's That's been my whole purpose in life. And so I've kind of had a different perspective than a lot of other people because I've always lived on the outside of society. And it's 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 almost like watching a television show, watching watching society. It just doesn't seem real. It's like everybody is living in a dream. And the purpose of the Crow House and the purpose of my work is to maybe just help wake them up a little bit. And for those of you out there, those people who, who may not know who you are, uh, Max, tell us a little bit of uh, about yourself, some background. Uh, I'm always curious to know what events triggered another fellow truth seeker to do what you do now. Well, I never really went to sleep. I mean, I was a, when I was a child, I always questioned reality. I, I couldn't figure out why we did what we did as a family. I couldn't figure out why my parents had to pay for the land they were on. I couldn't figure out why they were teaching me all this stuff in school, which never actually seemed to prepare me for life, to be a human being. It just seemed to want to mold me into being a little cog for the big machine. And I could never really figure it out. And so I started um, looking at things. When, my, when I was about eight, my mother showed me a picture of the pyramids, and that, that really clinched it for me. When I saw the pyramids and she told me that they didn't know how anyone built these things, mm -hmm. I kind of looked at it and thought, that's a pretty ordinary-looking object. It's just a, a pyramid. I mean, I could go outside and build one in the, in the sand. It'd be a lot easier than building a building. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, I'm a kid. You know, That's why I'm thinking. But when I really started looking at it and started reading about it, I just thought, well, hang on. This is, this is ridiculous. It's like they figured out the, the hardest possible way to build something, and they did it. And this is, is a, a huge message to humanity. That, that nothing is what they tell us it is. And it's very hard for them to get rid of it because this is big pyramid, so it's there for us to see, you know. And that, that changed my whole perspective of reality when I was eight years old. I put down all the comic books. I started picking up encyclopedias and started trying to find out what was going on. And it's been a, a quest ever since. I'm, I'm 53 now. And um, I've, I've always been looking at the whole bloodline thing and the whole, whole the way the world's run. I mean... Obviously, there's there's more going on behind the scenes that we ever we ever know, and I just looked at it for a while. It was kind of a hobby, you know. And um, then when 9/11 happened, I just thought, oh, hang on, now it's getting really serious. This is the big event we've been waiting for for so many years. And then I saw everything that happened after it, and that's when I really started speaking out and um, going really public with with everything that I knew. I've been telling people like in my circle of friends about all this stuff for years and years, and um, actually met a, an old friend recently and, and she said to me, wow, everything you told me 30 years ago has now happened. Everything you told me was going to happen, that's exactly what the world's like now. And so it's, it's been an ongoing thing for me. But when 9-11 happened, that was the catalyst that made me really start speaking out. And then in about 2007 or 2008, I discovered YouTube. I hadn't even looked at YouTube before then. I thought it was a place where high school kids go and post their videos. But I saw this and I saw this huge truth movement on, on YouTube, and I thought, well, I can do that. I can put together a slideshow, I can do talks, and I can put them up on YouTube, and 
I did that and then got offered the, the job on the radio in uh, in Kansas on American Voice Radio. Yeah. And that's what I do now. I just hook up on Skype. I hook up to the station in Kansas and Frank sends it out across the country. And from there, everything's kind of happened to now I'm on your show. You and I have a very similar background in that regard. I, I grew up and I was questioning. I grew up a Catholic and I was questioning all the time all the what I now know to be fairy tales, questioning my family, my parents, why these traditions, why this and that. And obviously it's not easy because you face all that wall, if you will. And then like you, it was 2001, 9-11 that really clinched it for me. And I said, wait a minute, something is really happening here. There's a script. Now to Germany, the script, they lost the war, but they won the peace and it continues here. But Max, you recently wrote a book entitled Earth Forbidden Secrets, Remembering the Past. I just bumped into it today, so I haven't read it. And this is part one of three. I love the title, and, and I've been discussing this a lot with many of our guests. It's not that we don't know. It's that we have forgotten, and those in control are doing what they can, so that knowledge is forgotten. Tell us more about the book, which, by the way, it's free as an ebook on Max's website. Yeah, part one, searching for the past. I figured if people would understand that nothing that they've told us about history is true, maybe they will understand that nothing that they're telling us about the present is true. But you know, the, the trick is is finding out what is true, and and the matrix the matrix is the is the meme. The matrix is the idea that people have of what reality is, because it's nothing like what people think it is. You know, we live in this system, the, these societies that we've constructed for ourselves, and they're they're totally detrimental to humankind. They they don't support humanity at all. Everyone must have noticed how much they've got to work these days, how much it is a struggle just to pay the bills. The price of everything is going up. Electricity here in, in Australia has like tripled in the last three or four years. So it's getting very, very hard just to have the basic needs for life. And yet this is a society that humankind has apparently structured to look after humankind. Kind. So why is humankind struggling so much within the parameters provided for it by this society? Why, why are we doing this? Why do we have to go along with any of this? Why do we believe that we have to collect paper in order to pay to be alive? Why do we have to pay to be alive? You know, the whole system that we live in, it's completely fictional and it has nothing to do with serving humanity. And that's the matrix. The matrix is, is the meme, the idea, <clears throat> excuse me, that people think is real, that, that society that people think is real. And it's, it's a completely inhuman society. It's a completely inhuman system. And that's what I've been attempting to wake people up to. I think that if we live our lives in a state of service to the creation, which is service to all, service to all around you, service to the earth, service to your friends, service to yourself as well, don't neglect yourself along the way, People, you know, there's a lot of people that are out there serving others all the time, but they're not serving themselves. So they're totally out of balance, you know. So you've got to be in a state of balance, be in a state of service for the creation, and you can literally change reality. Imagine if everybody did this. They say there's six degrees of separation. So if you were to serve everybody that you know as much as you serve yourself and treat them in la cash as yourself, and, and then they were to do the same, then you would have all of these people that you know serving you because you're serving them, 
and they would be serving everybody they know. And what six degrees of separation? Once six groups of people did this, we should hopefully reach everybody on the planet, and you could change reality. It's that simple. People just have to understand that that this this system that that enslaves us, this legal political system, it's it's just fictional. It's just a meme. It's just an idea. But you know, and also people will look for someone to blame all the time. They point the finger at the Illuminati, point the finger at the ruling elite. It's the president, it's it's the politicians, it's this, it's that. But ultimately, it, it's everybody, it's all of us. Because even within these systems, within the political systems, the politicians that work within them, they think what they're doing is real. They think what they're doing is important. They believe that it, it's important to have this there for society to function and blah, blah, blah. And if they, they climb their way to the top of the political pile they might be able to make some change. You know, they're, they're totally locked in left brain. They won't just step back and, and take in reality around them from a right brain perspective and, and, and see how simple it would be to change everything by, by just realizing that we are all in this together. We are all human beings. We are all just as important, just as beautiful, just as wonderful as each other and start treating each other like that. And that's, that's the purpose of everything that I do is to just try to get people to snap out of this dream that they're in because it is a dream it, it's a complete dream and there's so much research out there from so many quarters and who knows what's real who knows what is real if you haven't gone and researched it yourself how do you know any of it is real that's the thing so people have to understand that what most researchers are presenting them with is their perspective of what's going on you know, but, but everyone thinks this guy's got the answer and that guy's got the answer and he, she's got the answer, but they're not really realizing they have the answer in themselves. They just have to stop and, and look at reality around them. The way I see it, it's uh, everybody has a piece of the puzzle, but you mentioned the Matrix, and, and I always say this, that slavery was never abolished. It was just transformed in the nine-to-five Matrix. You even mentioned, you know, your parents own the, the home where you live in, Yet they have to pay here in the United States. We have to pay real estate taxes all the time. So it's 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 a, a world of of uh, all these things over our eyes, and we just don't know what to do because we have been raised in this social construct with blinders on our side. Uh, but let's just take things in the microcosm, just from your perspective in Australia. Do you see Australia as a test country? for what may be happening, say, in the United States. Uh, you were disarmed after World War II, is one example. What other aspects do you see that are showing up elsewhere now? Well, look, the whole disarming thing's been very interesting, but, like, they use every country as test countries, really. Australia is, is absolutely one of the most controlled countries on Earth. The people here don't believe that it is, but it is. It's one of the most expensive places in the world to live. It's the only country that's ever been disarmed since since Nazi Germany. Right. And that was, that was through a, a shooting in Tasmania, and there's no way that the person they blame for the shooter could have possibly done it. So the whole thing was a setup. And they test chemtrails here. We've got the whole um, uh, Pine Gap base that nobody knows what's going on in Pine Gap. It's absolutely one of the most secret bases on Earth. It's very, very difficult to get any information out of it. I've seen some strange things in, in years past. I've seen fireballs in the sky. I've seen UFOs flying around the place. I've seen all sorts of weird stuff in this country. And um, not for a few years because I've kind of been in Byron Bay for the last few years and this is pretty pretty relaxed around here. But um, 
I think every country is used as a test country. I think that Australia has been kept um, deserted for a good reason. We've got 22 million or 23 million people here in this country. And this is a country you know, as big as the United States. Exactly. And we've got as many people as what you've got in one city. So uh, it's, it's been kept empty for a reason. There's a lot of stuff going on here um, out in the centre, a lot of, lot of really weird stuff that it's just very, very hard to find information about. But I think they try it everywhere. Um, they'll try something in one country, and if it works, then they'll extrapolate it out around the world. And they, they try smart cars and things here. They'll probably try microchips first here. And a lot of people will probably do it because they're very apathetic. And interesting, before you, you mentioned uh, it's like the, uh, the Nazi empire, really when you look at World War II, I think World War II is a beta test. And they, they figured out how to do it all, and then they just moved it out around the globe. They created the United Nations. We've gone out and had like, what, 260 or 265 conflicts since they created the United Nations, which they created to bring about world peace. Right. <laughs> we hadn't had that many conflicts in Earth's recorded history prior to that point. So in the last 50 years, we've had more conflicts than in Earth's entire recorded history in the last 50 or 60 years since we formed this organization to keep us all safe and keep us all peaceful. And people are just caught up in this system, caught up in paying to be alive. They think it's real, but it's not. None of it's real. And, um, yeah, they, they, they test everywhere. They really do test everywhere. And I don't know, I think people people really need to look. I mean, I've been trying to figure out who's really running this show for a long time and it's really really difficult to figure out it really is you know it seems like the human race has just gone completely insane really when you look at it you look at our society none of it makes any sense at all nothing that we do seems to serve the planet seems to serve the human race seems to serve society we have all this propaganda on television telling us about all the great advances in science we're making and all the great things that we're doing. But when you look at your life and look at the lives of the people around you, you see that everybody is in a state of struggle. Everybody's in a state of hardship. Either that or they've profited a lot by putting other people in a state of hardship, you know, because we're kind of trained to do that. We're trained to, to profit from each other and, and, and get ourselves ahead rather than serve everybody around us. So, you know, it's, it's just like we're insane. So, You've got to wonder who's really in charge here. You know, is the human race even in charge? It doesn't seem very human what we're doing to this place and what we're doing to ourselves. It, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I think people um, need to, like I said, gain a different perspective of reality. Speaking of who's in charge, I'm, I'm compelled to, to read this uh, small paragraph by President Woodrow Wilson. He said, quote, since I enter politics, I have chiefly had men's views confided to me privately. Some of the biggest men in the United States, in the field of commerce and manufacturing, are afraid of somebody, are afraid of something. They know that there is a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive, that they had better not speak about their breath when they speak in condemnation of it, unquote. If this is the cave, Max, there's truly a hidden hand above the control centers and above the ruling families. What do you know of this? Well, all I can do is speculate, Mel. That's the thing. I mean, and that's all anybody can do. That's all we can do, sure. That's all we can do. I mean, um, I mean, you, you've got to look at how the world's controlled. It's controlled through the money system. So this takes you back to the banking cartels. Sure. 
and you've got the the Rothschild family and the whole the whole Illuminati, the Bavarian Illuminati set up, which is basically a big financial organization. The whole Bavarian Illuminati was an, uh, a financial organization that kind of in, encroached itself upon the what would we would probably term the original Illuminati, which would be the bloodline that goes way back. But where did all this come from? How, how did this system come in place? Um, what is this hidden hand? That's the thing. I mean, as much as I've been trying to avoid it, my my um, research keeps leading me back to the moon. It's ridiculous how it all just keeps leading back to the moon. Huh, uh, really? I've been trying to avoid it for years. I mean, I don't like going into the whole alien thing. I don't like to deal with that. I've been telling myself that there is an earthly reason for what's going on. But um, the more I, I look at... Um, what we're finding out in science and even the work of Bruce Lipton, you know, the, the, how your cell membranes work, you look at the work of uh, Masuro Moto and, and people like that finding out that there's memory in water. Water, sure. You find, you look at uh, Nassim Harriman's black hole theory. And, you know, whatever you think of these scientists or, or not, there's certain parts of what everybody does that is very, very valid, you know. And you look at how black holes work, you look at how atoms work, you combine this with how your cell membranes work, you, you look at the, the fact that water has memory, it's like a RAM drive in your body, your body's 85% water, you know, there is no matter, atoms are all empty space anyway, so you know, what's going on here? And then you think, okay, what's the eye in the pyramid? And there's the moon, there's the moon, it's just sitting there looking at us all the time, we only ever see one side of it. And it's, it's too big to be there. If you really start looking at the moon and start looking at some of the anomalies with the moon, it's a lot easier to explain it not being there than it is to explain it being there. Then you can look into, start researching, uh, okay, we'll get into religion and go way back. So you end up uh, looking at Gnostic stuff. And the Gnostics say that the moon is, a, is an artificial energy. It's a female energy and it's harvesting uh, energy from the earth. They call it Selena. Um, you look at uh, Native American traditions, and there's there's some Native American tribes, and they claim that the moon is a female energy that is harvesting energy from the earth. And some of their shaman actually claim to be able to see a web that emanates from the moon. Um, even David Icke's been talking about the moon recently. There's a book that was written by a man called uh, I think it was Colin Wilson or or Don Wilson or something something like that or someone Collins or. Anyway, there's a book that's written called um, uh, Our Mysterious Spaceship Moon, and he speculates that the moon's artificial. And recently I've, I've met some people doing uh, some sacred geometry uh, reconnections with people, you know, because all of reality is based on sacred geometry. It's all based on Fibonacci sequence. It's all mathematics. It is a matrix because it's, it's a mathematical reality. It doesn't seem to be very natural. And... Um, they believe that what is throwing the human race so out of balance is the moon. They, they say the moon is a foreign body. It's not supposed to be there. Yes. So I keep coming back to this. Everybody keeps telling me, hey, look at the moon. And all of my own research has been telling me to look at the moon. And I just think, no, no, it's the moon. It's up there. It's not, you know, this is, this is ridiculous. But I just keep coming back to it. I mean, uh, I'm here with my mouth open, Max, because I keep hearing the same thing for, from so many researchers. And if you look at the moon, the way it behaves and the way it goes around us, always facing us, we can never see the other side. We have a, a solar eclipse and it's completely covered 100% by it. It has a 28.5 day uh, orbit, which is exactly the the female uh, menstruation period. It, it if the moon wasn't there, I've heard from many people saying that there will be harmony on planet Earth, but the moon being there, it causes havoc. 
Well, yeah, this is this just is what seems to happen. I mean, what what happens on full moons? I mean, everything. It's just it's just really bizarre, and I, I really um I really try to keep things uh, earthly and sane and normal, but I just keep coming back to the moon. Yes. But again, even even if that is happening, half the trick is to realize it. See, whatever is in control, whoever is in control. What it's all about is is division. It's about dividing the human race. Right. So all we have to do is unite and realize that we are each other, treat each other as each other, and we can deal with it. It doesn't matter if it's the moon. It doesn't matter if it's the Illuminati. It doesn't matter if it's the banking cartels. It doesn't matter who or what is in control. What matters is what the solution is. And that's why when you listen to researchers, you've you've got to be listening to solutions. And if you are a researcher and you're putting out information to people, You've got to understand that there, there are people out there in the world that are very confused at what's going on, and they want answers, and they listen to what you say. Even like when you're doing shows, Mel, you've got thousands and thousands of people, potentially millions of people, listening to the show, and you don't want to be leaving these people in a state of fear and disconnection. They need to know what the solutions are, and there's a huge responsibility in talking to people and to putting these shows out to people, huge responsibility. So... You know, because you're literally shaping reality. You're literally shaping the collective mindset and you're helping create the future. So what is the message that you're putting out? And that's what a lot of these researchers really need to think about. You know, you can't be putting out messages of fear without suggesting what the solutions are. And the solution to everything is human unity. That is the key to the whole thing because everything in this system, even if it is a force emanating from the moon, everything in this system is designed to keep humankind separated and prevent them from ever finding out who and what they are and prevent them from ever feeling the connection they have to each other. So that's the key. That's the key. You just, it's just unity. Realizing this whole system is fictional. It's all just an idea. Now, we live in a society, I often say this on the show, you know, everything we build, nothing, nothing is built to last. It's all temporary accommodation. We don't build anything like the Mayan ruins or the pyramids or any of this sort of stuff. We found all those things. And if everybody on this planet died today and this civilization was just left here as an empty shell, in 1,000 years it would all be gone. It would all be turned to dust. All the metal would have rusted. There wouldn't be one trace of this civilization that was left on Earth for anybody to find. Anybody that did come along would find what we found. They'd find the pyramids. They'd find all this old mine stuff. They might find a little bit of radiation to show that we've been here. <laughs> right. But a um, bit of plastic, you know. But um, we don't build anything to last. So we've got a society that, that totally inhibits humankind from, from reaching their full potential. We live in temporary accommodation. And we spend most of our time strip mining the planet in order to collect paper to pay to be alive. You know, what's wrong with this picture? Is, is this something we would have come up with on our own? Because it's not human. You've got to, you've got to look at our, our civilization and our social structure and think about it. You know, if we were, if we were living you know, in, the, in the forest the way the natives did and, and we, were just, we gradually evolved into hunters and gatherers and farmers and all this sort of stuff and then created a society, is this what we came up with? This doesn't make any sense at all. How is this society beneficial for humankind in any way, shape or form? That's the thing, you know. We just get told by the television, oh, look, you've got technology, you've got this, you've got the internet, you've got all these fancy trinkets to play with, so you're advanced, you're cool, everything's great, you know. Think of what life would be like if you didn't have hot running water and a plasma screen, oh, my God, you know. So 
we've been taught to believe that that this is progress. This is real. This is this is how we we need to live. But all we do is destroy the planet in order to do so. And everything that we do in our society is completely meaningless. So who's charging? I'm so glad that you're touching on this topic because it's so important to 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 discuss it. Many people think, oh, those ancient ones. They were so backward thinking. But as uh, Zachariah Sitchin said at uh, one of his presentations, when people said, oh, those backward people, he had a Sumerian tablet in one hand and a piece of paper in the other. If there's a cataclysm, where, which of the two objects you think would survive? And as you said, it would be those, those uh, uh, places that were made by the ancient, ancient ones. But, um, you know, we think of cell phones. We think of computers and all the flashy cars that we have. But then let's go back to 2004, the Asian tsunami. The only people, the only group that really survived, all the doctors and all the educated people that were in the middle of, of, of the, the tsunami died. But there was a tribe, about 400 people. 48 hours before, they climbed a mountain. Only one person died in that tribe and was a handicapped person who, who couldn't make it. How do you explain that? Well, it's because they are more active. They have more active DNA. They have uh, a more active pineal gland. They can read reality around them. See, that's the thing. We are only operating at 3% of our capability because our DNA is so shut down. All of our fluoridated water and all the stuff that they put in the food shuts down your pineal gland. And, and so you lose connection to a lot of higher senses. This is, this is a huge thing that's happened to us. I mean, humankind is literally operating to 3% of its capability at the moment. And they say it's all, or 97% of our DNA is junk, you know. God, God messed up, you know, didn't need this stuff, you know. The scientists know better. It's just junk. We can take that out. It's rubbish. It's, this, is, um, this is what activates higher senses. And you'll find that a lot of native tribes have got these higher senses active. They can communicate with reality. And we can't. See, I believe that if we were left to our own devices and we were left to reach our fullest potential, we would be able to activate a lot of these higher senses and we wouldn't need things like the internet. We wouldn't need things like cell phones. And you think about it. Like, if, if you've got five senses, and this is everything you know about reality comes from the five senses, but what if you've got, you know, a hundred higher senses that you don't even know are there? And what if one of those senses you can, say, communicate through water, through a, a, a medium you, you couldn't even comprehend, you know? You think about it. All, all water that exists on the planet, water contains memory. So your body's 85% water. They've proven that everything that you think, everything you feel, everything you do, everything, every emotion, every experience that you have, the water in your body remembers all of that. It's all encoded into the water. And when your body dies, that water in your body returns to all the other water because all the water is connected. Water is in everything. It's the most, you know, it, it, it permeates everything. You, you can't stop water from, from doing what it does. It's the most remarkable stuff on earth. So all memory is encoded in the water. So therefore, all experience, every emotion, every thought, everything that's ever happened on this planet is in the water. The water remembers all of it. It's like a ram drive. So what if you had a higher sense that you could just connect with that water and you could, you'd know everything? You'd absolutely know everything. And you could connect to every other person on the planet through the water, through the energy field around you. I mean, you'd have access to all information through the water and you can probably connect to other people through the energy field because when you look at Bruce Lipton's work of, of cellular biology and he figures out that 
The only thing different between the cells in your body and the cells in my body are, is the membrane. The membrane of the cell is actually tuned to your frequency. Mine is tuned to my frequency. So the cell membranes in your body are literally downloading a frequency from the surrounding energy field that you experience as Mel Fabregas. I download a different frequency from the same field that I experience as Max Egan. If you were to take a, an organ out of my body and put it in your body, you would start feeling my emotions and experiencing me. It isn't that the organ has memory. You would literally start experiencing me. This has been recorded that people do this when they've had organ transplants. They start experiencing the other person, not just having their memories, but experiencing them. They might find suddenly they could paint when they couldn't paint before, things like this. So you've got to really start looking at how reality works. And all of this is, is accessible through higher senses. So if we were left to let our DNA activate and let our pineal gland come online, why would we need mobile phones? Why would we need the internet? Why would we not be able to know when there is a tsunami coming? Because when you look at animals, animals know when the seasons are going to change. The, you know, how do the bees know where the, the, the honey is? How do the, the, the animals sense danger? All of this sort of stuff is because they can read the surrounding field through higher senses because they have active pineal glands. They have active DNA. We've we domesticated. We've absolutely been domesticated. and We've been completely locked off from connecting and communicating with reality around us. All of our education is, is directed solely at our left brain. So we think in, in language, and our perception of reality is based on our understanding of the language. A lot of modern kids can't even spell. So how are they going to understand what reality is if they think in language? They're not thinking with their right brain. They're not connecting to the energy field around you. And again, look at scientists. You've just got to look at Jill Bolte-Taylor, who had the... Um, she had the tumor in her head, and she lost her left brain, and she started communicating with reality through her right brain. She's a brain scientist, a neuroanatomist, and she was able to live through the stroke and come back and tell us how our brain actually works, because she was able to study it from the inside. The wonderful, uh, wonderful talk she did on TED Talks. where I saw it. Didn't she have the brain and the corte cortex uh, hanging also? Yeah, she, okay. it was amazing, absolutely amazing, because, um, you know, she... she she said, wow, this is, this is great. How often does a brain scientist get to study their own brain from the inside? I mean, what a wonderful attitude to have when you're having a stroke, you know. But now she's able to give us that perspective. And so you, you couple that together with Lipton's work, with, with Harriman's work, with you know, the, the fact that water's got memory. And you start seeing how reality actually works. And sure, if you're not subject to all the stuff that we are bombarded with in the city, and we're, we're electrical beings, more than we are even biological beings. Everything we, we experience is electrical. Every, every touch or taste or everything, it's, a, it's an electromagnetic impulse that you, you experience. So if you're living in a, in a society filled with electromagnetic soup, you've got mobile phones and wireless internet and this and that, and television bombarding you with alpha waves and everything that they're doing to keep people shut down. That's why we can't, we can't read reality the way we're supposed to. And we think all this stuff's cool. But all it does is prevent us from being who and what we are and knowing who and what we are and connecting with each other. That's why I call the TV the subliminal tube. But you mentioned the work of uh, Dr. Masaru Emoto, which is very impressive, folks. If you haven't seen it, just YouTube it. I mean, we're talking about water where they put uh, perhaps good thoughts or, or classical music. And all of a sudden, under a microscope, you see these ice crystals uh, showing beautiful scenery, if you will. Then you take it and you send negative thoughts or you put uh, uh, heavy metal music 
and all of a sudden the figures change. So obviously there's proof right there. But you also mentioned cellular memory. I had a friend who passed away a couple of years ago. He had a heart transplant. Uh, He was a recipient of a heart uh, about for 15 years. Uh, He was in his 60s. The... uh, the person who donated, well, of course, uh, died. It was a 23-year-old man. But anyway, a couple of years after, he started developing a taste for spicy food. And he never liked it. And then he would he would listen to classical music. And all of a sudden, if, if he would listen to rap, he would start tapping his, his left foot without even knowing why. So he placed a phone call to the parents of the deceased young man. And he asked, you know, can you tell me more about his life? What did he like? And they told him, oh, yeah, he loved spicy food. He loved to listen to rap. So that's another proof that cellular memory is a fact. Well, it is. It's, it's actually, and, and the way Lipton explains it, it, it like the, the membranes are actually downloading a frequency. They actually ex, uh, extract information from the surrounding field. So they're literally downloading an electromagnetic frequency from the surrounding field. It's just in the membrane. It's not actually in the cell. It's only in the membrane around the cell. So... This shows, I mean, there's other work. There's a, a documentary called The Electric Universe, which explains how it all works as well. See, what you you start to realize is that everything in existence is made up of photon light and photon sound. It's all just energy. It's all just yes. electromagnetics. Everything is just is just energy. What's actually real in, in reality is is the space, the space between things. What what matter is, what, what a cup is or a chair, it's just divisions in space. It's the space that's real. That's sort of hard for people to get their head around, but the, the, everything is energy. Absolutely everything is energy. Every thought that leaves your head is energy. Every thought you have is energy. Every, everything you experience is energy. And, and so it's, it's the energy that's real. It's the space that's real. And it's just downloading. Your, your cells are designed in such a way. It's almost like, um, it's like a hard drive. It's like a, it's like a computer. Your whole body is like a biological computer. And, and you know, the, the water in it is the RAM drive, contains all the memory of creation so that, it, you know, it can make you into a human being. Um, the, the DNA is, is like the, um, it's like the code so that the cell membranes know which frequency to download. Your body's just the operating system. You know, it's, it's this right. whole biological computer thing going on. And that's how reality works. And once people understand this and realize that you can be <clears throat> totally unique and totally individual, but you can also realize that humanity is all one because we are all downloading from the same field. We are all downloading different frequencies, different expressions of different frequencies from the one surrounding field. The field is what's real. The consciousness that exists in the field is real. And yes, so we are all individuals because we're all individual frequencies. We all have a completely unique perspective of reality. And this is how... This is how reality gains the information for itself. This is how God finds out how God became God, whatever, however you want to look at it, whatever you want to call it. But we are all one. We are all individual. But the question that's going on here is there seems to be part of this consciousness that is just trapped in this, this one layer of the matrix, this one layer of the fractal, and something's controlling this, this consciousness that we call humankind, and we're being used to basically destroy the world that we live on we're, we're we're harvesting all the energy we can from the planet and we just seem to be it just it's just energetically dissipating so where's it going who why is this happening that's the question and if our body is really a computer i want the password to access the rest of the dna but a few minutes ago you mentioned the word duality we see it every day here in the united states we have 
Republican or Democrat, right or left, liberal or conservative. It's the oldest trick in the history, divide and conquer. If we were to sit down with uh, who we perceive as our opponent, we'll find out that uh, we have more things in common with them. What's your take on this concept of duality that seems to be the one that keeps the world the way it is? Well, yeah, we live in a in a dualistic world because we are all individual. Um, with, with the duality that you see in the political system, like you're saying, Republican, Democrat, this is basically, this goes back to tribal instincts. You know, like football teams, this is all tribal. All of this stuff is tribal, wearing different colors, being in different different uniforms, you know. When, you, when you're uh, working for a, a different company, you've got to wear a, a green uniform or a green overall. And the guys working for the other company next year wear a yellow overall. And so suddenly there's a this division. You know, where I'm with the green guys, you're with the yellow guys, you know. And, and, <laughs> right. You know, so you've got <clears throat> you've got unity in your, you know, you feel uni- unif- unified with the people around you, but you feel divided from the guys next door, you know, in different uniform. People feel different in uniforms. Uniforms, um, different political parties, football teams, different TV stations, different news reporters, these are all tribal. These all go back to tribal, basic tribal uh, instincts that we have, you know, and need to belong to a group, you know, a society, a community. And that's what they delivered to people so psychologically people feel like they're in a community because they're in a certain tribe they subscribe to a certain news channel or whatever and watch a certain football team or vote for a certain party but they never really connect with each other they they get they externalize it you know what i mean they instead of connecting with the people around them they externalize and they connect with a community that has a similar belief to them or a, a different work ethic or whatever you know it's all it's all tribal stuff the whole thing we live in essentially a dualistic society there's no denying that we we all have a dualistic side and i think we're going to see a lot of that coming out actually at the moment i think that we're in a particularly interesting time in history. This is a period that the minds call the definition, and it's also a time of the great separation, which is like um, uh, the sifting time. So what what people have had buried in the past, pe- things that people don't like to um, face about themselves, little things about themselves that they've kept hidden, you're going to see a lot of this coming out in people at the moment. Um, this is what the Christians would refer to as Armageddon as well. People are waiting in Armageddon. They're waiting for a, a, a battle between the forces of light and the forces of dark. But Armageddon actually means the, the uncovering, the unveiling, right. the revealing. And this is an internal thing. Armageddon is something that happens inside when, when who you really are and, and your darker side, if you haven't faced your shadow and dealt with, with the darker side of yourself, you're going to see it surfacing. And you're going to see this in a lot of people. Um, people are going to suddenly become something that you, you couldn't think they could possibly have been because they've kept that covered their whole life. You're going to see this happening more and more and more. And um, this is because people are hiding their duality. They've never dealt with their duality. They've never realized that this whole existence is an existence of duality. Otherwise, we wouldn't be separated from each other. We would be able to be connected. We, would, we wouldn't be divided the way we are. You know, but again, you've got to ask where it comes from. How do we get into this reality of duality? How do we get into this, this duality matrix that we're in? That's the question. Who, who's in charge? How would the human race ever come up with this? You know, because I believe that in tribal cultures, they used to spend a lot of time dealing with this. You know, shamanistic traditions, um, uh, Buddhistic traditions, all of this sort of stuff. They spent a long time 
understanding their duality and, and realizing that that's what we're here to, to understand. We're here to embrace both sides of ourselves. Stop being in fear about it. Face the shadow. Everything that we, we have in the world going on around us, all, all of the problems that we see are all from people's failure to face the shadow, face the shadow in themselves. They're in fear of those around them. They're in fear of the darker side of themselves they don't want to admit is there. So we're going to see a lot of this coming out at the moment. I really, really, I'm seeing it actually um, all around me, even, even as I speak. But you mentioned the word Armageddon, which doesn't mean what most Christians think, the end of the world. Another word that comes to mind is myth which comes from the Greek word mythos, which means historic events that were sworn to be accurate and true by priests and kings. It was an affidavit of accuracy in history. Yet, when we hear the word myth, we think of fantasy, we, th we think of fairy tales. Why is it that all these words that had a different meaning all of a sudden changed to fit a purpose? Well, that's, that's you know, like I said, people's understanding of reality is based on their understanding of the language. So, you know, all you've got to do is create a language that, that means something that it doesn't. And you'll find that most things have been co-opted these days. I mean, look at sustainability, you know. <laughs> We absolutely need a sustainable society, but, you know, you say sustainability now and everyone thinks of Al Gore and Agenda 21. Right, so, exactly. So, you know, all of these words get co-opted. They, they really, really do. And the myths, you know, the myths that we have of, of creation and the myths we have of ancient gods and wars and battles, you'll find that these myths exist in all languages and all cultures. There's usually the same amount of entities, the same amount of deities. They did the same things. They just have different names for them. And they come from all different races, cultures, creeds and continents that never apparently had any connection with each other. So this would uh, lend a great deal of credibility to some of these tales. I, I don't think that many of them were myths at all. I think that uh, what we were actually seeing there is history. And Armageddon, Ar Armageddon is, is the great battle, but the battle is within. That's the thing. People always externalize things. I mean, the, wor the words of Christ were great, but I, I don't think the Bible particularly has much to do with Christ. I don't think it has much to do with empowering people. I think it is more of a script, especially when you look at Revelation. I think this is a script. If, if you can create a book like that and get it out to the world so that people are expecting that the, the planet's going to get to the state that it, it is, and, you know, if you're, if you're a, if you're a, say you're a whatever, you, 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 some energy or someone's in control or say you are on the moon or say you are the moon or whatever you are and you're in control of this planet and you're strip mining this planet, you would know that when you get to near the end of the process, things are going to start getting pretty bad. So it might be a good idea to write a religious tome and put it out there and have a little section at the end of it so that people expect everything to get really bad and convince them that they're going to be saved at the last minute. They never, ever have to do any internal work. They never have to connect with each other because someone is going to come along and save them. The whole salvation myth, yes. Yeah, I think it would be a very smart thing to do when really if people would just stop, you know, put down their jobs for a minute, just, just stop and look around them and just look at the person next to them, see themselves in that person and realize that we all are connected to each other, you know, emotionally, spiritually, everything that, that you feel, everything you like, everything you experience, all of your, your, your discomforts, your, your tears, your joys, all of these things, these are experienced by everybody. 
You know, on an emotional level, why can't we even connect to each other on an emotional level? That should be something, you know, that, that empathy that you could have to others, realizing that everything you feel, they feel, you know, this, this is what we need to look at. If people could just do this for a day, you know, they might realize that all the battle lies within. Everything they need to do to make change in the world, they can do from within. As Gandhi said, be the change. Be the change you wish to see in the world. And if, if and I said, there's, there's only one law, unconditional love and service to the creation. That's it. Service to the creation includes everything. It includes you. It includes everything. And if everybody was in a state of service to the creation, the whole world would change in three seconds. And religions tend to lead people away from that message and they externalize it. People you know, wait, are waiting to be saved, but they've never once taken the time to look within themselves and to realize that everything that, that is happening in the world, all of the problems that we face stem from our failure to do that. You know, the, the fracking, the, the corrupt governments, the corrupt monetary system, the whole social structure that we have, it all comes from our failure to face the shadow in ourselves and the fear that we hold of connecting with those around us. But you're right. I think uh, they are following a script and they think, well, most of the population is expecting something, an Armageddon, a, a war between the, uh, the evil and those uh, in the light. So it's a great script to follow. And, you know, many people say to me, Mel, what do you think of 2012? You think something's going to happen? And the answer is, I don't know. However, I've spoken to people and I wonder if you have spoken to I used to work for a company whose uh, client was Bechtel, the largest construction company in the world. They've been building underground facilities for, for decades, trillions of dollars. If the powers that be know that most of the population is expecting something to happen next year, wouldn't that be a great moment for them to use any kind of technology and thin the proverbial herd and use plausible deniability because nobody can point the fingers at them? Well, absolutely. I mean, you've got to look at that. And again, if that's the case, what do we do to fix it? We connect with each other, you know. That's the thing. All, all of the problems, that's all you have to do. I mean, what's going to happen in 2012 is anybody's guess. And Comet Elenin, I mean, it's anybody's guess. People ask me about Comet Elenin all the time. And I go, well, look, I'm not an astronomer. And I, I haven't been there. I haven't been up to have a look at it. So I don't know. I mean, and anybody who tells you that they do know, I would be very, very careful of these people. Anybody who tells you that they do know what's going to happen in 2012, it just, you know, I'd be very, very careful because unless they're a time traveler, how can they possibly know? All we have to go on is is the, the myths and the stories and the, the interpretations. And basically, it all stems from the Mayan calendar. The whole 2012 thing comes from the Mayan calendar. Um the minds themselves say that what actually happens on December 21st, 2012 is the sun actually begins crossing the dark rift in the Milky Way. Okay, there's, uh, there's an area in the Milky Way called the dark rift. Um, and our sun, when you look at astrology, you know, the sun apparently is a, is a lens that amplifies whatever's behind it. And this is why you know, when you're born in Leo or whatever, it's because the Leo is behind the sun when you're born and all this sort of stuff. I'm, I don't follow astrology, but that's that's kind of how it works. And so the sun is, is lining up with galactic center and it's crossing an area called the dark rift. And it takes 20 years to cross the rift. And that's what happens in December 
2012. The Mayans believe that somewhere within that rift is a portal which will um, change this reality. It will, it will bring energy to this earth that will change this reality. Um, if you look at Egyptian culture, they talked about a place in the heavens called the Duat, and they thought that the Duat was the way to escape this reality into the higher worlds. So that is interesting as well, because you, here you have the Egyptians talking about a certain place that, that the sun crosses or that the earth crosses in the sky, and there's a certain time in cycles when you can actually access the Duat. This, this only happens once every cycle. And so this kind of ties in with what the mind, the minds are saying, that there might be a portal in the dark rift. That's what it's all about. And our modern society and all of our, our Hollywood and all this sort of stuff is tell us, well, this means the end of the world. It's the end of the world. It's the end of the calendar, so it must be the end of the world. I mean, thinking that way, you'd almost think, well, this equates to um, it being the end of the world every New Year's Eve. Dry the Gregorian right. calendar, you know. It's just a calendar. It starts again. It's it's when nine of their calendars actually line up. But they had like 34 calendars or, or 36 calendars or something. They had a, a lot of calendars, the Mayans. It's the end and, of an age and the beginning of another one. Well, absolutely. That That's all it really is. So... Um, something seems to be going on. The energy seems to be changing. There, there is, I, I think there's going to be something happen, but, but what it is, I have no idea. I think a lot of it depends on people. It depends on the collective belief of what reality is going to do. I think that uh, it is a collective consciousness. I think that we do collectively manifest our reality. I mean, just like I said earlier, this whole system, this whole meme, we're only in this because people believe it's real. So there's a collective manifestation of reality. You know, thoughts create matter, and, and you know, we, can, we can create whatever we want. I mean, thoughts do create matter, folks, if you're out there and you think they don't, if you think that's a silly statement. Really, I mean, even when you pick up a, a glass or, or, or a, a, an object of any kind, you know, a shoe, someone thought of making that, and then they made it. So, yeah, thoughts, thoughts can create matter. You just have to apply a little bit of physical work to it. Well, you envision the crow house, you create it, and look, you're making a difference to millions of people. But uh, we have to take our one and only intermission. But before we take the break, I want to ask you a question and get your answer on the other side. I keep hearing that DNA operates like uh, miniature laser beams, and they react to photons. So if the sun sends photons to us, and we've seen it very active lately, I wonder if that's really having an effect on us and that's probably why so many people are, are waking up, if you will. But let's get your answer on the other side. Tell us how to get in touch with your work, how to listen to your great programs. Uh, you can just go to thecrowhouse.com. You can click the radio archives and um, you'll find all the shows in there. And you'll find a link to my YouTube channel. I put a slideshow with every show and post it on YouTube as well. And you'll find it all there on thecrowhouse.com. Great. And you also are on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, right? That's the one. That's the one. I'm at the show there. I think it's 8 o'clock uh, Central Time. Every Friday night, the show goes to air. Great. Folks, we're here with Max Egan from the Crow House. I'm Mel Fabregas. And once we come back, we have so much more to discuss. You're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section. If you're not a member, just head on over to our website, veritasshow.com, and click on the subscribe link to listen to the rest of the show. As a member, have you subscribed to the iTunes link? Let iTunes download all segments of each new show automatically. There's a link in the members section. Just click on it and let iTunes do the rest. 
We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more. Enjoy.
This is Mark Stevens, and you're listening to Veritas.